thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Jeremiah chapter 29, I'm gonna read verses four under 14 in just a moment. In this transition message of turn the page, last week we dealt with the subject of trust God, say trust God, through the transition. Through the transition is where we have to trust God. So although we're talking about a transition we're going through as far as leadership and this church is going through, we know that every one of us go through seasons of life. There's always transitions that are happening in our life. So what we say about our transition here is applicable to all of us in that we all go through transitions. There are stages of life. There are stages of life when you're a young person, you transition into teenager, transition into young adult, transition into getting married, which is a big one, transition into having children, transition to not having children at home, transition to, you know, from one job to another job or not having a job and retirement, et cetera, et cetera. But during these periods of time, it's an emotional thing for every one of those things that I mentioned, very emotional. It's a time when you're thinking about a lot of things, you're questioning a lot of things. How do you deal with that transition period is really where we're focusing in. So today we want to deal with this, what to do until you get through. What to do until you get through. In other words, while you're going through this, what do you do till you get through? Because getting through sometimes it's kind of like trying to squeeze everything through a, a knot, you know. Uh, it gets difficult, can be difficult, it can be challenging. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4, the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, dwell in them. Plant gardens, eat their fruit. Take wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. Pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away 
captive. Now, every time you go to the Old Testament, especially, and you read a text like this, I think it's helpful that you look at the historical context of where it was written and when it was written. It just helps you get a full picture of it and not isolate the scriptures from its surroundings. Now, at this particular time, the historical context of it is a time in Israel's history when they had a difficult time. It was a difficult time. Uh, the Babylonians, who were their enemies, had come into the land and they had uh, invaded their city of Jerusalem, their whole country, especially the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed the city. And not only that, they went to the temple and they destroyed the temple that was built by Solomon. So it was a very sorrowful and saddened time for them. At the same time, they took approximately up to 10,000 Jews and they took them from that homeland of Judah and they led them away captive to Babylon. So not all the Jews were taken away, but 10,000 were taken away. But the best of the best. They took the architects, they took the engineers, they took the philosophers, they took the artists, they took the craftsmen. So the best of the best, and that's where you see Daniel coming into the picture. They took a young man, Daniel, they saw that, and, and obviously it was known his abilities and his wisdom, so they took him away like thousands of others. And as they took them away, they took them away for the purpose, there's really twofold thing that happens. In your country, if the philosophers and the artists and the best of the best were taken away, how many know it would be very difficult to rebuild that country without them? So it was a purpose that they wouldn't be able to rebuild their country because all the leaders were taken away, all those that were gifted were taken away, but it was for another purpose, to serve the conquering country. The best of the best was now served them, so they had to be retrained in the country that they were taken away. So it was rough. It was rough for those who remained, obviously, but it was rougher, I think, for those that were taken away. Literally, families were split as a result of it. You could have one brother taken and one brother left. I mean, so can you imagine uh, the, how distraught, how sorrowful, how sad, how dark this situation must have looked at that time, not knowing the fate of those that were left behind. They didn't have CNN, they didn't have Fox News, they didn't have satellites, they didn't have, so the information didn't flow like it flows today. So they were left in the dark, literally, what happened to my family? What's happening back in Israel? What's happening in Jerusalem? We know the temple was being destroyed. How did that turn out? I mean, can you imagine all the questions they had at that time? They're living in a hostile environment with the people they did not like. They were their enemies. They were eating food that they weren't accustomed to. They were learning a language, a whole new language. They were being retrained. The religion now that was forced literally upon them publicly anyway, was a religion that they were not used to. They were used to serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now they were confronted with a nation that serves lots of gods, pagan worship that they had. At this time, when this happens, there are three prophets there, Ahab, Zedekiah, and Hananiah. There were three prophets of God. They told them that the exile that they were in would last two years. That was the message that they were giving them. Uh, so hold on for two years and God will be back and he will break 
the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon at that particular time. Here comes Jeremiah onto the scene, the weeping prophet. The prophet that when you read his words sometimes, you go away and say, I wish I didn't read that. It's kind of like, but yet, that's the part of this message I want us to get, to hear the full truth. Because I, I'm a, I fear, and I'm going to get to it, I don't want to get ahead of myself, that a lot of times we hear part of the truth of God's Word, but sometimes the full truth of His Word is withheld from us for various reasons, and I'll give you at least one of them today in just a moment. But here comes Jeremiah, and what he says, he announces to them, don't listen to the false prophets. Don't listen to what they're saying. They're saying to you that you're going to be led captive for two years and to hold on for that two-year period of time. He said, but don't listen to them because it's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70 years. Say 70. How many know if you were there, you don't want to hear that? How many know that when you're in a dark time in your life, a difficult time, whether it be a transition time or wherever it might be, that you would rather hear, hang in there, it's just going to be a couple months and you'll be out of it. A couple years you'll be out of it. But to hear 70 years, some of them are thinking, I'm not even going to be alive then. When am I ever going to see Jerusalem and my family again? You're telling me? Did you get the picture? So it's not the kind of word that was easily received. And sometimes God's truth is not easily received. But it is the truth that will set you free. It is the truth that will do something in your life and in your heart that can't be done any other time, except in a time like this. They're saddened, they're sorrowful uh, over the destruction, they're wondering, they're worrying uh, about the fate of their families. They're adjusting, they're adapting, they're living in this hostile enemy territory. They're told it wouldn't last but two years up until this moment, and now the word of the Lord comes, tells them something differently. Tells them that the season and the struggle that you're going through, the place that you are in life, will not pass quickly and easily. It's not going to be a walk in the park, in other words. It's going to be a difficult time. What do you do when you find yourself in a place in life you never thought you would end up? You never really gave it much thought, but there you are. What do you do when you begin to realize that what you're in might not go away quickly? What do you do when you sense God saying you have to take this journey? You sense deep down in your knower that you're going to have to take a journey. You have to go through this walk, and it's not going to pass quickly. You might be in it a while. You know, life has a way of putting you in exile, where you wind up in places you never did think you would ever be in or should be in, which is the harder part. Living under the hand of those that you don't like and they don't like you. Dealing with situations you, for whatever reason, did not believe you should have to deal with, especially as a believer and a follower of Christ. What do you do when you've prayed and you're waiting for God to bring you out and it's not happening? What do you do when you're begging God just to get you out of the mess you're in? What do you do when seemingly the Lord is taking his time? 
to change the circumstance of your life? What do you do when God's not answering your prayer when you say amen? Should be an answer, but it doesn't come. What do you do when you're in exile? Feel separated, feel apart, feel alone, feel like you're the only one going through it. And, and you sense the darkness of it, literally sense the darkness of the heaviness of it. What do you do when these things happen? Turn to someone and say, that's a great question. It's a good question. The text gives us four things we're to do. Literally. Lays out, pretty simplistically, although each one of these points are not so easy to understand, and yet they're there before us. Four things we can do. Advice that when we wind up in a dark season, when we're struggling, and it won't go away easily or quickly, is something we can do. Here they are. Number one, be productive in the midst of your predicament. Verse 5 and 6, be productive in the midst of your predicament. Learn to be productive, listen carefully, no matter what you're going through. It's going to be seven years. It's going to be a long journey. And here's what I want you to do. This is what God literally tells them. It's going to be 70 years, folks. It's not going to be as short as you've been told or you felt or that you want. So it's going to be a long time. But here's what I want you to do. And he's very clear. God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build houses. I want you to move in. I want you to dwell in them. I want you to plant a garden. Meaning that sometimes it might take a while for the fruit to come from that garden. I want you to eat. I want you to marry. I want you to have kids. I want your kids to have kids so we can have grandkids. I put that part in there. <laughs> I want you to keep on living life. Even though you're in an adverse, not wanting type situation. Keep on doing what you're doing. Don't decide, because I'm in Babylon, I'm just going to lay down. I'm die. <laughs> because you're not in an environment that you want to live in. I've been in environments that I don't want to live in. There are things that have happened in my life. I, I, in the flesh and in the natural, I wish I wouldn't have gone through, especially at the time. Now, you look back and say, wow, it was profitable. But certainly going through it, you don't think that. Keep on doing what you've been doing. In other words, get up in the morning, take a shower, fix your hair. It's pretty easy for me. <laughs> Put your clothes on. Get ready. Go to work. Perform the duties in the home that you have to perform. Put a smile on your face. Have a good attitude. Follow what the Word of God says, how you should live your life. Keep on doing what you've been doing. God said, I command. Now listen to this. He said, I command you to increase while you're in Babylon. Did you hear that? Read this word carefully. God is saying, I want you to increase. Matter of fact, I'm demanding that you increase. I'm demanding that you do these things in Babylon. You're not saying anything about deliverance right away. 
wait until you go back and then I'm really going to bless you after this time is over. No, where you're at, do it. Do what is right. I know it's a dark place, God said. I, I know it's hostile territory. I know you don't want to be there. But I demand that you increase while you are there. Don't diminish, don't lay down, and don't give up. Don't get so depressed that you, you don't do what I called you to do. Don't become so sad and sorrowful that you don't try anymore. When you're in a dark place, give it the best you have. Keep on multiplying. That's the word that God says to them. See, the tendency is, is when you get in a place like that, that you don't want to be, a season that you didn't ask for, for a length of time, we think it's unreasonable. God, this is, it just doesn't make sense to me. We can throw up our hands at a time like that. We could be so, become so frustrated that there is no way we could increase. We, we, don't have, we haven't positioned ourselves. Our attitude is that we don't care. We, we don't have the fight. We don't have the energy. All kinds of things can happen at those moments that where you diminish. And yet God said it should be the opposite. You should multiply. You should increase. We know this happened to the children of Israel. Just read Psalm 137 sometime. Psalm 137, you should read it on your own this week. It says that, that the, the Babylonians were kind of like teasing the children of Israel. Sing us one of those songs of Zion. Come on, play, play something. Play something. Give us one of those praise and worship songs that you sing in your church. But they said, how can we do that when we're in this environment? How can we do that when we're in this enemy territory? And you know, think about it. How often it was easy, we were in this bubble of security today. We were in this environment where the Spirit of God was moving and where there's not much conflict when we're in here and, and we're just going and when, when we're, we, we can shout, we can clap, we can praise God, we can thank God, we can feel good for a moment, but what do you do on Monday? When is it dark? And you have to face those things, the enemy that's constantly plaguing you. What do you do? God is speaking to them in the midst of their captivity, and God is speaking to you in the midst of your captivity. You might be in a foreign land, God said, but I'm not a foreign God. I don't change. I'm saying the yesterday, today, and forever. I, I remain the same. I, I was the same God that was with you on Sunday while you were shouting and praising and singing that song. I'm the same God that's here with you today. I haven't changed. I shouldn't be foreign to you. You shouldn't be questioning your situation. I'm still here. I haven't gone anywhere. You see, wherever you are, that's where I am. You can praise me in a hostile situation. You don't have to have perfect, perfect conditions to do that. And yet we spend most of our life trying to find the perfect condition. We serve God who can multiply you when you're in the enemy's presence. You could be in the enemy's presence 
Psalm 23 says, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my friends, relatives, those that encourage me. He said, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Wow. I can be feasting in the presence of even those who hate me. And persecute me. Be productive. You do what God has called you to do, and God will cause you to increase. Be productive in spite of your circumstances. Now, the second one is not as easy as understanding that one, and that is pray for your persecutors. Look at it. Verse 7. Here they are in this sorrowful, kind of rejected time in our life, a season, a dark time, a confusing time, a questioning time, like so many of us find us in because that's life. And what does God say? Here you are in the midst of all that your enemies who hate you are doing nothing but using you, have destroyed your city, have destroyed your temple, have separated your family, and I want you to have a prayer meeting for them for Babylon. Pray for your enemies. I have to be honest with you because you're all looking at me like it's a new calf going through a gate or something. New gate. I mean, it's like, yeah, but it's what he says. That's what God tells us to do. So, so there must be some victory. There must be something in this that is helpful to us or God would never say it. There must be something productive for us, something that will grow us, something will bring us a new understanding of who God is, or God would have never said, do it. He said, pray for your enemies. I find that hard sometimes to do. Now, I have to be honest with you as I thought through this, I said, God, I, I don't always, I mean, yeah, I, I've been in, in the presence of enemies, and Lord, I find it easy to pray, but Lord, I know there are other times it's not so easy. In that verse, it says, you know, when you get slapped on the cheek, what do you do? Turn the other cheek. I, I said, Lord, that, that's, that's fine, and I believe that. But it all depends on the day they slap me. <laughs> Come on. Is it true? Get me on a good day, and I'll love on you. Get me on a bad day, and you might get slapped back. <laughs> it depends on what day it is. The destruction of Jerusalem, take you back, I'm going to say something that might startle you, was in the divine design of God. Hmm. It didn't happen because the Babylonians were better equipped. It wasn't because they were stronger. It wasn't because they had a better military strategy. God said the Babylonians were instruments and tools in my hand. I used them to destroy Jerusalem, to turn you back to me. I'm using them to get you right. I'm using your enemies to turn you back right. God, a friend can do that. God said, no, not all the time. 
someone who really loves me and encourages me and put their arm around me and pat me on the back a lot. God, couldn't you use someone like that to turn me back to you? That doesn't always work. Note this. If the destruction of Jerusalem is by divine design, so was the exile. The divine design of God was for some 10,000 Jews to live with their enemies for 70 years. That was the design of God. Here's where a lot of people have a hard time understanding. How? How, God? God will sometime connect you with people you would rather not be connected with. Come on. Someone at work. God, I pray they get another job somewhere. <laughs> Even a promotion to another floor. School. The neighborhood. God, that enemy is from the pit of hell. Lord, the devil is in that neighbor. In Jesus' name, I rebuke him. Get him out of here. Drive him far from our borders. Move a Christian in. Come on, how many times have we prayed it? Move someone in who loves you. We want a perfect condition. But first of all, we're not in a perfect world. And that's not what we're here to do. We're not here just to have fellowship with other believers, although this is good. This is an environment that we love and we can be trained. But what are we trained to do? To go back and pray for that devil neighbor. Person you work with. I told you it would be quiet. Here's what we miss so many times. We pray, Lord, make it go away. God says, no. I've connected you for a season. So you would learn to pray for your enemies. Verse 7, look at it. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you, caused you to be carried away captive. Pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Did you get that? That, that, that little thing in there is just one of those truths that maybe not so much hidden now, but it's hidden there. When you pray for their peace, that's when you're going to have peace. Oh, God, you don't understand. A whole lot more peace when there's someone there that I get along with. And you know what God's saying? There's a deeper peace that I want to bring you into than that surface peace that you want. I want to take you deeper. I want to root you in a peace that when something happens to you, you'll have the peace that passes all understanding because you learned it in a dark place. You learned it in a difficult place. It wasn't just handed to you on this silver platter, but you had to wrestle, you had to work with it, you had to pray it through. You had to find God in it. And you found his peace that will later on take you through the most difficult of times, that others will not understand how you're going through it. But you learn something because you follow God's word. When you pray for them, 
whatever you want for yourself, that's what you ought to pray for them. Because in their peace, you find peace. God, I pray that you'll come and meet with that neighbor. Speak to their heart. Prosper them. You see, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they have been through. You don't know the difficulties they have. You, you can put it off and just say, they're just a, a bad attitude guy. It's just a mean guy. And yet you don't know why they're mean. You don't know why they're bad attitude. You, you don't know that they, they might have lost a child. They might be in the middle of a divorce or have been. They're hurting people. You, you don't know where your enemy has been. So God, God puts you there. Not to make you more comfortable, but to be Jesus to them. It's not you that they hate. It's not you that they're after normally. It's something that they're dealing with. When you pray, pray for whatever they're dealing with. That'd be a good homework assignment for this week. Go and pray for your enemies. List them and pray for them. Be productive in the midst of your predicament. Pray for your persecutors. Here's the third one. Third one is this. Protect yourself from false prophets. Now, this one, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a hard time. I, I almost looked at this and I wanted to skip over it. Because to me in my mind, somehow false prophets, I'm thinking, God, that's kind of so Old Testament. It's kind of like so, Lord, maybe not reality anymore. False what is a false prophet? And, and it's almost like God can't. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm going to say something I hope you understand in this. Pray for false prophets. Ahab, Zedekiah, Hananiah. They were the three prophets that have been telling them they're going to be there for a two-year period of time. Now, at this particular time, it doesn't necessarily mean these were bad men. Later on, that they, you find out as you read, they, they were. But they weren't. They were prophets. They spoke on behalf of God. And, and they came along and they said, it's just going to be two years. And I want to be careful here. There's a message out there in Christianity that is a... I'd rather speak comforting words to you than give you the whole truth. I'd rather give you feel-good messages than go too deep. Because feel-good messages will build my congregation. Or feel-good messages is you will feel better about me. You'll, you'll like my messages a little bit better because, see, I, I make you feel good. We don't always need a feel-good message. We don't always need just to come in here and have someone tickle our ears and tell us, you're going to be all right, you're going to be through it, in the name of Jesus you are delivered and you don't have... We need someone to say, hey, listen, no matter what you're going through, God is with you. God is God in the most difficult of situations and the happiest of situations. Let's paint a right picture of God. 
false prophets. They're in our midst. I don't know if they deliberately try to, and I'm not trying to accuse anyone or put anyone. I, I'm just saying I, I believe in my heart of hearts that this is a reality, and it, it, it's, it's, it's something we got to deal with. We need the Jeremiah's. We need the someone to say, hey, you know, I'm believing that you're going to get through this. I really am. I am trusting you will have a breakthrough. And I pray these kind of prayer in the name of Jesus. And do you want I want more than anything for them to walk from these altars free and never to fight that battle again? But you know what I know? I know that I know that that's not always going to happen. And a majority of time people walk away and they have to deal with their situation. They have to deal with their life. But I want to give them the kind of words that says, God will help you deal with your situation. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is king of the world. He is king of the universe. And the devil has no place in your life. But we can't always blame the devil for bringing that dark time in our life because there are times when God leads us away into exile. That's not a gospel that people want to hear. Oh, God doesn't lead you into a difficult time, doesn't he? Then he's not the same God of the Old Testament, nor the New Testament. Jesus never promised this. He said, in the world, you're going to have difficulties. But I have overcome the world. You can trust me. You can believe me. You can still praise me. You can have times of shouts and you could be in the darkest of times, but you know, there are just some people that I know that are in the dark. I can't even imagine being in their situation. And yet they have a smile on their face. They have praise in their heart. They always have a song. There's a stability about them. There's a strength about them that they might not be like other people because of the, the, the infirmity or something they're facing. Do you understand what I'm saying here? We need someone to speak the truth. And certainly, I'm not trying to put myself up on this podium like, okay, yeah, Pastor, you speak the truth. No, don't, don't entertain that. Don't go there. It's just that we need to be open to it. Be productive in the midst of your predicament. Pray for your persecutors. Protect yourself from false prophets. And then be patient for my plan. Be patient for my plan. God has a plan. Say it with me. God has a plan. Listen, that alone, let that sink in. God, say it again. God has a plan. In the darkest, most exiled situation, God has a plan. He hasn't abandoned his plan. He hasn't given up his helping you and bringing you to the place where he wants you to be. Matter of fact, sometimes I... And I, and I say this with, with trepidation. I say it with a little, sometimes, you know, it's in those most, tr the trials that the bigger part of his plan is being worked out. Would I rather it some other way? Absolutely, sometimes. I, I, I don't like the pain of some things, but I do know that if you know the Lord, and you begin to understand him and his ways. 
that he's always there. Doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Doesn't matter how many times you've come back to him and said, God, forgive me, I fell in again. Listen, God still has a plan for your life. He wants to be with you. He wants to keep ministering to to you. Now, notice what it says here. Look at verse verse 11 here. This is the verse that we all love. I can't tell you how many people use this as a life verse, and it's a good one. I, I like it. I wouldn't call it my life verse, but I call part of the verses I would use. He starts out by saying, if you look at it, for I know. Say that, for I know. What does God know? I'm going to stop there. Before he goes on there, what does God know? You know what God knows? God knows what you're made out of. For I, I know what you're made out of. I know how difficult the situation is. I know how much you can take and you can't take. I know what's happening. I know that neighbor's there. I know that person you work with. I know all those things. God said, I know all those things. But I also know the plans I have for you. You see, he knows all those things. Doesn't take from the fact that knowing all those things and knowing that you're going to find yourself in those places, I have a plan. For I know the plans. Look what it says. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's translated in other Bibles to bring you to an expected end. To bring you, catch this, don't miss it, to bring you to expected end. Guess what? The season you're in has an end to it. It has a period to it. There's an end to it. I'm going to bring you to that end. I, and you're going to be, listen, when you come through, you're going to be more than a conqueror. You're, you're going to be more like me and less like yourself. There's going to be more of my presence in your life that you carry in my presence. There's going to be more. I know. He said, I know these things. This might be not looking at this totally in the right way. But do you know what you find in the Bible like a lot? It shall come to pass. Don't you? This will pass. (laughs) Your time of exile, your time of darkness, your time of questioning, the difficulty you're going through, will pass. Would you stand with me, please? We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.